Mr. Speaker. It's time to get political here on Radio 191 FM, the Otago Museum Breakfast Show. Uh, this morning, Sarah Martin and John Moore are both ill and away, so it's just myself and Dr. Phil Ferguson. Morena to you. Morena, Jamie. How are we today, my friend? Very good. Lovely day. It's going to be marvellous. It must be good out on the uh, out in Ravy. It is. So I, I walked in on the Harbour walkway. It was a very pleasant walk oh, yeah? there when yeah. I threw open my curtains at seven o'clock and it was completely light yep it only seems a few weeks ago that it was still semi-dark until eight o'clock that's right um yeah and this this sunshine was just coming up the hill towards my little cottage and i actually worked up a sweat walking oh jeepers yeah you're in the spot for summer like you know in winter you know you'd think you you know you lose the sun quite early yeah although i'm lucky i'm in a, a bit of ravenspawn that um does get sun like there's a lot that doesn't but oh you're yeah, right on that curve a, aren't you yeah yeah that's right that's right so you do get a little bit of a northern exposure almost we'll put it that way more more nor northeast um right it is uh Otorea maori and as always there are calls for Tereo maori to be either compulsory or at least offered uh, at all schools in Aotearoa, uh, and at all levels of education, uh, be it primary through to secondary, um, you know, it's it's an interesting argument uh, for both, um, and one that should be taken seriously. But I always feel that you know it, it comes up at this time of year because it is te wiki o te Māori, uh, and then it kind of flitters away, flutters away. I mean, we did hear a lot of it around the election, and of course the Green Party, I guess, because they are they do have a, a, an inch an inch of power you know not a formal coalition partner we need to keep reminding people of that um they are kind of i guess keeping it in the spotlight more than ever um so yeah it's an it's, it's an interesting thing what, what are your feelings towards um compulsory maori or, or at least it being offered yeah um well just on the green party of course the counterweight to that is new zealand first and yes. the equation you know who who have quite a different view even though they are much more maori in terms of their compos- in terms of their composition and leadership than the greens um when i was young and i was involved in things like support work for the bastion point occupation i supported compulsory maori in primary schools um, and I think I might have even supported it in high schools. These days, I'm a bit more, I'm a bit more iffy about whether it should be um, compulsory. I don't think it should be compulsory in, in high schools. And generally, I'm kind of against compelling or making people do subjects once you get to high school. But at primary school, I actually don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. I think there's some quite good arguments for um, for compulsory Māori in primary schools in the sense that it's one of the two official languages of New Zealand. Three. And we don't forget know, sign language. Sorry? Don't forget New Zealand sign language is three official three, languages. Three. Ah, three official languages. Um, and we know that in terms of... Um, 
child development and educational development in general that it's a good idea for people for children especially to learn more than one language mm -hmm. and you know there's parts of Europe people are fluent speakers in two languages or you know in Switzerland they're probably fluent in three mm -hmm. um, you know a friend of mine from Iran I mean he's fluent in Farsi Arabic English and he has a pretty good knowledge of Turkish, mm -hmm. you know, and that's not particularly unusual. So I don't see a very good argument against why people in New Zealand shouldn't be able to be fluent in English and, and Maori. Yeah. Um, so I'm yeah I'm I'm kind of open on the I'm a bit in flux on on the the question um, there's an argument against making it compulsory which is uh, is an interesting one it was made by um, one of the Maori Labour MPs um, was that Tamari Coffey? no the MP for Tamaki Makaurau oh. um, uh, Henry I think um, I can't remember what his first name is on um, questions and answers the other night which and his argument was basically that if Māori don't embrace Māori, don't embrace Te Reo, then what's the point? And that having it compulsory in schools isn't going to change. Isn't going to change that. Um, yeah, and I thought that was that was an interesting argument. But you know, <laughs> there's lots of things that I remember that were compulsory in primary school that I think were a hell of a lot more onerous. Yeah. Than, you know, than. <laughs> Than, than learning to, to Rayo. And what for, for my mind, one of the most important things well, in New Zealand is, you know, race relations, and there are still massive divides in certain communities, um, and there's still a lot of racism in Aotearoa. Um, and one thing that will help bring us together is to learn, the, uh, for Pākehā to learn to Rayo, to learn uh, pre-colonisational history yep. of, of, of Māori, uh, and to learn more about uh, early post-colonial uh, Aotearoa as well. Um, these are things that a lot of people still don't know, uh, still don't understand. It would be important for us to be able to read, um, you know, the Māori version of the treaty, to yeah. understand what they signed, you know, and, yeah. and, and where they were and their thoughts at the time. So I think it's quite important um, for us to be at least offered, but should I think, in my mind, compulsory in primary and intermediate, like you said, with with secondary school, um, you get to a point where you split off and you decide what yeah. you want to do anyway. And if yeah. you, you so so it's opt in, opt out. So and I think yeah. that should be for every subject the same thing, and that, and Maori should be included in that. But yeah. I think you know by the time you've done it through primary school and intermediate, you're going to be pretty good. You know, yeah. and, and as long as you keep speaking it on the playground and around with other people that know, um, it should be able to hold and retain the language as well. Um, yeah, and I think if you've spoken it and, and learned it in primary school, there's kind of an incentive to keep to keep going. Mm. Um, I actually grew up in a household where we had a Maori um, grammar book. My my mother, who, who was um, completely Pakeha. When she left high school, she wanted to continue some kind of education. Mm. Um, you know, she's um, just, uh, you know, from a working class family in Sydenham and Spraden in Christchurch. And she went to Polytechnic at night and she learnt Māori and she became fluent. Mm. 
mm-hmm. in Maori. Ironically, my dad, who's of Maori ancestry, never had the slightest bit of interest <laughs> in anything Maori, let alone <laughs> Te Reo. Um, and so she always had this grammar um, book. So in her um, mid to late teens, she was um, fluent. And then later she lost it because she didn't have anybody really to speak it to. Mm. Um, but, you know, when we were, when my brother and I were kids, you know, she taught us to count from one to ten and she taught us, you know, some basic Māori and she had this little cupboard of books and the Māori grammar book was always, was always in there. And, you know, yeah, why can't we... Yeah. Why can't we do that? Even if it's just half an hour a week in primary schools, I mean, they have half an hour a week for Bible studies. Yeah, <laughs> and I... Yeah, yeah you know, yes. Like. Yeah, and, you know, we're supposed to be a secular society, and yet, you know, we have ministers of, of religion um, coming in. I mean, I find that way more objectionable than the idea of, of you know, of compulsory Māori in primary mm. schools. But you'll hear the same people that say, uh, Māori is not my culture, saying, but, uh, you know, we're a Christian nation. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it would be the same bloody people. Like, almost yeah, but the funny thing is, like, Māori is their culture. Yeah, you know, it's all of us. <laughs> like, it's it's a shared, yeah, it's a, it's a shared culture, you know, and Māori culture in so-called Pākehā um, isn't particularly a word I like, but Māori and other cultures um, in this country, you know, they're interwoven. Mm. And so, you know, Māori has spoken English regardless of whether they wanted to or not, you know. Can we not have well, our kids forced. in primary school learn Māori? What is so terrible about that? Yeah, and We, we are all of this nation. We yeah. are all of this yeah. land now, so we yeah. should um, do everything... <laughs> And and I think Māori um, have such a close tie with the land, and, and and a lot of that is around you know the land is their tonga, and, and and the language is their tonga too. So we should all embrace that, yeah, and yep. it should become all of our tonga, you know? yeah, without doubt, without doubt. So I mean, be, uh, I mean, I don't do you, do you really see in any government that well, not just NZ Firsters, but even Labour's not really calling for compulsory um, Do do you really see it happening? Uh, probably not. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with MMP we're in for coalition governments. You know, there's never going to be a single. I don't think there's going to be a single party government again. Yeah. If there was a Labour Green coalition, maybe. Um, but I think Labour would probably be rather averse. Mm. To, well, to it, doing it, it would have to be a green bottom, green party bottom line policy, right? It would, it would have, have to be to one be, of those ones. Yeah, and we'll, you know, would we see the green party actually do that? Yeah, quite possibly not. Mm. And then, even if it did happen, would it subsequently be a platform of the the opposition to to get rid of it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then they get elected and, and get rid of it. I also. I mean, part of the problem with the, the compulsory thing, though, is I lived in Ireland for quite a while, and Irish was compulsory at all levels of the school curriculum, primary school and secondary school, and you had to pass Irish in order to pass the leaving certificate 
for um, leaving high school, you didn't pass Irish, you didn't get it, the leaving certificate. Mm-hmm. You also had to have Irish in order to get a job in the public service. You had to had to speak Irish. And the reality is not very many people in Ireland speak Irish. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's actually really, really hard to maintain a language when there's a very, very limited pool of people who speak it in a country in which the vast majority of people speak English. And English is the main language of communication for, you know, everybody in Ireland speaks English. Yeah, well, it is for the world. Yeah, and of course... It's the business language, right? Yeah, and and there's a lot of goodwill towards the Irish language um, in the south of Ireland and amongst the people in the north who identify as Irish rather than British but the place where the language is probably most vibrant is actually in the north um, rather than the south so almost yeah almost a hundred years of state promotion of Irish in the south has not really you know there's there's a less percentage of the population in the south of Ireland now who would be fluent in Irish then doesn't mean we can't do it a hundred years ago and we're gonna start somewhere yeah I think it's incredibly incredibly difficult though Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and especially in a globalized world where lots of people if they want to speak another language they're gonna learn Mandarin or they're gonna learn Spanish so that they can work in China or they can go to South America or... That's true. That's very true. Um, But for my mind, it's just important to to be culturally rich as it is to be economically rich. Yeah, yeah. um, Let's go, Aotearoa. Let's let's, uh, let's do... Let's speak through. Uh, And and I'm guilty of... um, You know, I should be doing by correspondence, to be honest. Um, and I, I plan on doing that, and I and have planned on doing kids. it, and I haven't done it. Yes. And, oh, no, we do, we do, oh, we right. do, we do um, try to do the, well, we teach them the phrases that we know and oh, the right. words that we know as, as okay. much as we possibly can. Um, all right, let's move on to New Zealand First. Um, unions um, this week have criticised New Zealand's first role um, in the government. Uh, is New Zealand fir- uh, sorry? Is Labour allowing New Zealand First to push them around, or is this simply just MMP at work and um, people just still don't get it? I think it's just MMP at work. I mean, you've got to remember, like Labour were miles away from fifty percent. Mm. You know, they only got what was it, thirty-five, thirty-six percent. Mm-hmm. You know, they cannot govern without New Zealand First, and why should New Zealand First? not want to put its own stamp on things yeah um, which is not particularly to yeah which is definitely not to agree with the new zealand first position on things like youth rates and so on but of course they're going to do that you know and i think you know new zealand first probably has a sizable following among small older small business people Mm -hmm. and they represent their interests on, on probably on on issues like youth rates and some and immigration and so on as well. They probably reflect that demographic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's just the what happens in MMP. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of point in attacking them if you're going to be in coalition with them. You're going to have to have to give them. Um, something, and 
you know, they have got that pivotal position. Labour simply cannot govern without them. And given that, you know, they could have used their leverage even more than what they have. Mm. Well, it seems to me um, that you've just got, also you've got the media focusing on New Zealand First wins, you know, and you've also yeah. got Shane Jones with his giant fund that is always yeah. in the news. Yeah. So things that New Zealand First are either going to be put in the spotlight because, you know, they're the so-called smaller partner and they're getting some things done, or you've just got Jones flashing the cash. Um, so, so, so it's out there and it has this perception leaves a perception of New Zealand First ruling the roost, which, you know, and once the public have that perception, it's quite hard to shake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the media focuses on some strange things. <laughs> you know, of all the things that they could be focused on in New Zealand or globally at, at present, you know, like continuing poverty and, and all the rest of it um, yeah and they they focus on this. I think another point though about New Zealand First is see their experiences of coalition haven't been happy ones. No you know they, they had their meltdown when they were in coalition with National in the 90s with Shipley mm -hmm. and Winston lost a whole bunch of his MPs and, and most of his seats and then when they were in coalition with Helen Clark's government you know, they suffered wreckage and they were actually out of Parliament, they didn't have any seats mm -hmm. for, for a while and so I think you know, Winston Peters has learned, has drawn some conclusions from that, that it's necessary to keep their profile high that they want to be seen as being responsible and not lead to a meltdown of the government because mm -hmm. they could be the biggest losers in such a meltdown but also to make sure that their profile is maintained and that they're seen to deliver to their core base. Because I think, like the Greens, I think New Zealand First has got a core yeah. that is somewhere around kind of five, six, seven percent, um, and they've got to keep those people happy. And then it just, depending on what's happening mm -hmm. at any particular time, you know, they might get a bit more. Or if they mess up, they're going to fall under 4%. And yeah. I think the Greens are in a similar situation. But the Green base is probably a bit bigger because of the of younger people. Mm. And, uh, you know, a lot of Remuera um, housewives, you know, they want fresh air for their kids and clean beaches and, you know, food labelling <laughs> and so on. They don't give a shit about poverty. Yeah, yeah But yeah. they want those, you know, the more kind of middle classy stuff that the Greens can deliver for them. Indeed. And, and it must be really important for New Zealand First to um, to look like they're doing well and look like they're doing something because Winnie's not going to be there forever. Yes. You know, and, and so you've got to be looking like you, you can um, stay in a stable government and you are going to be doing the right thing by your supporters. So yep. once whoever comes in next, um, you know, they, they, they don't just disintegrate and disappear without uh, their anointed high leader. Yeah, and it looks like Shane Jones is the anointed one, so they need him to have quite a high profile. Yeah. Um, is, is Give him well. a billion bucks. Sorry? Give him a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he's probably the only person apart from Winston who would have any chance in the foreseeable future of winning a constituency seat as well.
Mm. Um, so ke- yeah, uh, keeping him high profile and making it seem like New Zealand First is getting some wins, having them associated with Winston for the ego reasons and having them associated with Shane Jones for mm. the um, succession reasons is, is going to be important for them. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, and this all looks really good and uh, nice for the right as well, for for national, yeah. because if you can make Labour look unstable uh, and look like New Zealand First is getting the job done, the yeah. next time round, national's in coalition with New Zealand First. Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I mean, the problem that national faces is the, the no-mates party. And uh, although they could be in coalition with New Zealand First, I think Labour and New Zealand First are probably more natural coalition Mm. partners. Like in certain ways, New Zealand First is like kind of old Labour. Well, they're a bit like old National as well, actually. You know, like Holyoke type type National. Mm -hmm. You know, um, socially conservative, economically more towards Keynesianism. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what I mean is—is is this what's happening now? Is this really dangerous for Labour? I mean, are they going to be able to get the public perception back on side? Do they need to do something big? We know Jacinda's got a big announcement to make on um, Sunday. She's having a big speech on Sunday. Um, you've got uh, old David Clark. He's got announcements today on sugar. Um, and they're wondering whether that's going to be a sugar tax, although they have said no new taxes, but who knows what's going to happen there. Um, I'm I'm hoping that it will be a sugar tax myself, personally. Um, but it's just my my personal opinion. But, you know, does, does Labour really need to shake this perception, or should they just keep on going, what they're doing, get their policies through? Uh, once the working groups are finished, perhaps, um, you know, en- enact what they say. Um, we don't know what's happening with the tax working group of course they've just said no um, to a capital gains tax which uh, is a political thing I think uh, more than a sensible thing but yeah is Labour going to be able to shake this whole uh, this whole mess do you think? Well I think they probably will be able to I mean they have two years to go and of course ultimately they control the purse strings yeah and they're going to make sure that they're in the best possible position going into the next elections at the same time they know that they need New Zealand first mm. um, and I think Labour is more comfortable with New Zealand first than with the Greens yeah, you know, like if there was a falling out between Labour and New Zealand First in, uh, say, in twenty twenty, the next election year, and Labour was reliant on the Greens, I think that would be big trouble for Labour. A, they might not be able to get fifty percent between them, but B, the Greens are a bit dodgy as far as Labour's concerned. Um, They'd be less less kind of reliable. The, uh, there's a section of the Green Party that's less committed to the status quo than mm. what Labour would like. Oh, there's kind of the radical wing. Yeah, I mean, I think the radical wing would probably compromise quite a lot in order to get into coalition with Labour. But I think Labour prefers a party that is totally inside the tent rather than the Greens, who I think are mainly inside the tent, but not entirely. Foot out the door. Yeah, and and the Greens can't really be entirely inside the tent if they want to 
ironically, if they want to stay in Parliament, they can't be entirely inside the tent yeah. because part of their support is premised on them being anti-establishment rather than being part of the establishment. And we've seen what's happened to Green parties overseas. You know, In Ireland, the Greens went into coalition with the Fianna Fáil party mm-hmm. and it implemented austerity and the Greens got wiped out at the next election. And they're never going to... Re- I don't think the Greens in Ireland will ever recover yep. short of you know, some almost cataclysmic event. You know, they've been overt- overtaken by people further to their left. Mm. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Um, it, it, it looks to me that MMP is truly at work in Aotearoa. Yeah. It really is. And this is what we voted for in 93, uh, or yeah. 92, I think the referendum was held. Or, oh, I can't remember. Uh, something like that. Yeah, ni- yeah ni- uh, 90 th- 93 was 93, the election. yeah, the first MMP... Election was 96. Oh, that's right. Yes, you're right. Um, So it's finally at work, um, but you're also seeing the likes of Duncan Garner and uh, Mike Hoskins um, making it out like it's, you know, like we're idiots and so we can actually make it look like MMP doesn't work and it's an unstable platform. uh, So they're good good mates national. Uh, We'll get a good percentage next time. So um, Uh, don't listen to those idiots. Uh, They're just trying to make things look bad. So uh, so Labour's out the door next time. Um, Well, thank you very much.